Hello and welcome. And today I have with me the one and only Matt Landau. And we're doing another mashup with Matt. Loads of useful information on here. So get listening. This is the Vacation Rental Success Podcast, keeping you up to date with news, views, information and resources on this rapidly changing short-term rental business. I'm your host, Heather Bayer, and with 25 years of experience in this industry, I'm making sure you know what's hot, what's not, what's new, and what will help make your business a success. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer, as it said, and I am so happy to be back with you. Can you hear the almost hysteria in my voice? I'm leaving shortly in a few days to head down to Texas to enjoy the rest of the winter. Winter in Ontario is absolutely spectacular at the moment. We've just had a fresh fall of snow another foot or so. It was, it just looks gorgeous. It's been a bit uh, iffy over the past few weeks. And finally, winter, winter, I mean, real winter has arrived. Just in time for me to take a look at it and enjoy it and go south. Because whilst it's very, very nice to see all that snow hanging on the trees and feel the minus gazillion Fahrenheit temperature, I need to get some warmth. I also want to get out and run. I am missing the running, the cycling, all the stuff I like to do. And it's really tough to get out with cleats on your running shoes and go out and try and run on ice. It's just, yeah, it's just not fun. Did I say it was fun? It's not. Definitely not. I mean, I can, I can get all wrapped up warm and I put a podcast on. I'm listening. Here's, here's a tip for you. I am listening to the James Wedmore podcast. It's called the Mind Your Business podcast. If you want something inspiring, motivational, go over and get subscribed to this podcast. It, it, I hate to say anything changes my life, but I actually feel that when I first started listening to James's podcast back in the summer, it made some some significant changes in the way I manage myself and manage my business. So that's just a tip. If you want a, a great podcast to listen to, go and listen to James Wedmore. I used to follow James Wedmore years ago when he was uh, running a video making business and, and I was a member of his membership site at that time. And he's full of integrity, honesty. I trust him. And there's some really interesting stuff. If you want, and and just a caveat here, if you want to get into the sort of psychology side of it, not practical business suggestions, it is more the entrepreneurial mindset and and really looking at, at mindset in general. Something I'm going, you know, where I'm going in 2020 is really getting back into my psychology roots. For those who don't know, uh, I was, uh, I was a psychology major. I was a member of the British Psychological Society at one time. I practiced counseling, psychotherapy and hypnotherapy for a number of years. And and I've been out of it for many, many years and but have never lost the interest in it. So that's me in 2020. You'll probably be hearing a little bit more about mindset as I go through the year. So I'm just so pleased to have with me today my friend, Matt Landau, 
I've known Matt for a number of years. And if you've listened to some of the podcasts before, you'll have listened to my mashup with Matt series, which is when I just get on the wires with Matt Landau and we talk about anything and everything. Today, we are talking about Matt's TV show. We're talking about his latest article on his website called Cottage 3.0. We are talking about what was best for him in 2019 and where he thinks we're going in 2020. And also we are finish up by talking about advocacy and a group that he set up and managed a brainstorm with at the Vacation Rental Managers Association conference in New Orleans last October. So without further ado, let's move on over and let's talk with Matt Landau. Hey, Matt, lovely to have you back on the show. Where have you been? I have been in Mexico or Mexico as it's pronounced. I was in Mexico City, uh, which is an amazing city. I don't know. Have you ever been there? I have not. I have never been to Mexico at all. The one word that comes to mind is huge. It's mm-hmm. gigantic, like 22 million people. Uh, but also incredible, vibrant neighborhoods with tons of trees and green space, amazing food. I was really impressed by Mexico City. Highly recommended. Uh, but then I went down to a little beach region in the Oaxaca province called Masunte, which um, is a little growing beach community. It's part of Mexico's Pueblos Magicos campaign, uh, Magic Villages, mm-hmm. which is a tourism campaign that, yeah, it supports small communities that want to be part of the tourism thing. And it rewards them with infrastructure, paving roads, things like that. Uh, but it needs every part of the community to raise their hand and say, we'd like to participate. So you have this really cool vibe of like people that are, are, that are excited, you're there. It was really neat. I would recommend anybody go. Masunte. So were you, what were you doing down there? Just, um, just, just a little vacation. Yeah. I was keeping an eye on real estate in this little place uh, I had heard so much about. Very, very reasonably priced. Of course, now uh, it's probably people like me sharing information like that on the podcast that ruins <laughs> the destination. Yeah, the, the hordes are going to be descending. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, mostly just a little vacation, uh, a little break. Yeah, well, you need a break, I think, after everything everything you did last year. Just before we hit hit 2020 with... Uh, you know, a little bit late on our, on our sort of entry into 2020, but just give me some of the highlights from last year for you. Oh, last year was such a wonderful year. One highlight I would say was completing uh, season two of the Vacation Rental Show. That was a more elaborate production than uh, we have ever attempted, and we were very happy with the outcome. Another success I would say was VRMB in over the course of the last few years, VRMB has been growing. And when anything is growing, you kind of have to do a little reset. And this is actually going to be a theme I want to talk with you about Mm -hmm. later for 2020. You have to do a little bit of a reset and make sure that your mission and your goals and your vision are all in line and something that you can wake up every morning and get excited about. So I was kind of proud that towards the end of last year, uh, I had a break in my schedule And I took a good month and a half to 
restructure some things and to set some priorities. It's not a sexy accomplishment, but I felt really good about it. And it enters, uh, enters me into 2020 with some very exciting things on the horizon. Oh, that, that's great. You, I know you had a good, last, good year last year, and uh, we're going to come back to one of the things that you did in 2019 at the uh, Vacation Rental Managers Association Conference when you brought together a bunch of people of very respected, very just clever people in the advocacy area and did some brainstorming. So we're going to come back in a bit and talk about that. But let's, let's just kick off with this new year, this new decade, I, I used that 2020 vision thing a while back thinking, and I'm sure I thought, I'm the only one using this. It's very clever. <laughs> Wait, oh, I had never even thought about that. That's brilliant. Wait, so what was the context in which you were using it? I think every, everybody blogging was using 2020 vision. But uh, yeah, that was, that was a kickoff episode when I talked to um, Andrew McConnell, as I do every year. He always kicks off the new year and we called it 2020 vision just thought I was being clever (laughs) I love it and may I just say that I like being able to look at you during our conversations (laughs) normally it's just a telephone but I see you in your what looks like an office you got some snow outside a considerable amount of snow outside uh yeah yeah, I will be I'm leaving on Saturday (laughs) I look at it and it's just so pretty and the snow's hanging off the trees and we've got three or four feet and it's so pretty but then the thought that this is going to be here until mid-April. And yeah, I'm heading to Texas on Saturday and I'll be there for three months. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. What are you doing in Texas? I'm just working in a place without snow. That sometimes is all you need. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're, we're going to drive down, take the RV down. We stay at a, a beautiful little place. Not a lot of people know about this place because it's, it's an hour and a half west of San Antonio. It's in hill country, but not the populated hill country like Fredericksburg, where everybody goes. This is a place where you have to drive 30 miles for the, to the nearest grocery store. There are no billboards. There are no fast food joints. It's like, you know, just wind back 30, 40 years. It is, to me, it's US at its best. Wow, I'm sold. Maybe I'll come visit you. I'm supposed to interview Jen Ford in Austin sometime soon. And maybe, uh, how far is it from Austin? Drive. It's about, I mean, this is Texas, so it's probably about a day. Yeah, (laughs) I was going to say, might need to fly. Okay, well, cool. Uh, Thanks for the invitation, even though you didn't. Yes, please. I mean, I'm I'm coming up to Wimberley at some point or somewhere okay. near there to visit yeah. um, Jody Tidwell-Born, who, who is the expert on social media in vacation rentals. And we're, we're working on something. That sounds cool. Also, Lynn Gallimore, Inner Circle member, who kind of started that whole luxury tent thing in Hill Country is located oh, there. Need to talk to her too. Yeah, reach yeah, out. I mean, it, for, for anybody who's never been to, to Hill Country in Texas, it is phenomenal absolutely glorious but whatever we're going to get together at the end of march when we go to barcelona yes okay so that's let's talk to hill country in barcelona <laughs> yeah we're both going to uh, kigo world in barcelona so uh, yes. i will i will see you there if i don't see you in hill country so yes 
And anyone who's in Europe, I think it's Kigo Rose a fantastic excuse, if nothing else, to hang out in Barcelona, much less the chance to hang out with all your vacation rental buddies. So hopefully we'll see some folks there. It's growing every year. Well, I haven't been to Kigo World before. I know you have the last couple of years. And uh, I am so delighted to, to get to go present there and to talk to several hundred property managers, which is going to be really, really cool. So that's a little bit of 2020. Let's look at trends. Where do you think we're going? What's trending? What is trending? Um, I have spent the last like two months of my life trying to answer that question. And actually, I'm almost ready to release our 2020 currents report, which will probably be live by the time uh, this podcast is published, actually. Uh, But instead of trends, which um, are things that you see that are happening kind of in front of you, which sometimes um, it can be almost too late to react once the trend has hit, I've decided to name the report for 2020 currents, which are the movements that are taking place beneath the trends. And the idea with this report is to provide things that are happening, patterns, that once you understand them, you can actually plot out several years of your vacation rental future. And that, that is to say, I've got some really interesting ideas of things that I think are happening beneath the surface in 2020. I'll share with you my, my favorite one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the first currents that we talk about in the report. And I call it the reset. I gave a little heads up earlier that resetting your business is important. It's more important today in the vacation rental space than it has ever been before. And it's one of those things that is very easy to ignore, but unless you do it, you can really get yourself into some trouble. And I think the reset of taking a step back, of editing out things that are happening in your business that are not profitable or that are not desirable is really huge. So one area of that reset has to do with the brand, recognizing that we kind of need to have a clean and attractive brand. That is to say, the way that we present ourselves to the public. A lot of us got started in this industry many, many years ago, and we did a branding exercise at the beginning, but then we just forgot and let it sort of wither. So it's a little bit outdated. In other cases, we started on a listing site. We never had a brand to begin with, And so it's never been done before. And sitting down and actually coming up with a beautiful new logo, coming up with a color scheme, a style guide that allows you to be consistent throughout the ways in which you're promoting your brand. I think that's an important part of the the reset. Another sort of category that that almost fits into is marketing diversification. You know my obsession with listing site non-dependence of building ourselves diverse marketing portfolios that don't rely on any given entity or company. And I think a lot of people set themselves up with a a LSI plan uh, several years ago. But this year, more than any year before, I think, it's going to be pivotal for the independent owner manager to make sure that all of his or her marketing bases are covered. And in some cases, that means getting back to the habits that you kind of started off with. And in other cases, it's new stuff that you kind of know you should, you should have been doing, but have not. So for anyone who doesn't know the listing site independence or non-dependence framework, we have it on our site, lsi.vrmb.com, free of charge. 
Wonderful. I will put link to that. Thank you. I'll just continue because I have two other little versions of how reset can be very relevant. Resetting your inventory. This one's primarily for managers, uh, but identifying the properties that you have accumulated over the years and their corresponding owners and identifying the ones that are not doing well, that are consuming more so than they are generating and removing them. Uh, That was one important example that we've seen that's taking place that you need to start doing more and more before it's too late, before you basically are ridden with properties that are causing you problems. In our report, um, Steve Milo, who I know you know. And by the way, Heather, do you remember that first interview you ever did with Steve Milo on your podcast? I remember that episode. I don't know why, but it was a really funny episode. (laughs) Go on. What made it funny? Well, he, he didn't even really understand like what was going on. He didn't, I don't even think he knew what a podcast was. <laughs> and, and he certainly never didn't know any of us. So we were at, you were asking for like an interview and, he's, and I think it was just like a very confusing, <laughs> at least beginning to the conversation. It ended up nice. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've done a couple more since then. <laughs> yes, and he's now, he's now. Tell you what, when I, when I first, yeah, it's funny you should say that because I, I really wanted to interview him and I was, I was sort of scared. You know, Steve's just seen this, this big name in the industry. He just had this trajectory that had taken him from a few properties to hundreds and hundreds in such a short space of time. And I remember feeling, you know, a little nervous about interviewing him. Now it's just like, you know, I, I know him so much better now. But anyway, so... He, he mentioned, uh, he, there's a couple quotes from him in our currents report that are exclusive to the report. He thinks that the OTAs are going to start to get in on the inventory game. He thinks that this, there's this current taking place of almost like an arms race by some of the OTAs for exclusivity on inventory on their site to be able to drive predictive revenue. Mm-hmm. And that's something, again, it's not a trend. It's not happening right now in front of our very eyes, but it's a current that we need to start thinking about. Um, as we're building our our inventory, our property uh, count. The last one that I have for you is what I like to call tightening the bolts. And it means more or less identifying the things that are making you money and doubling down on them in the same way that editing out some things can be very helpful. Really looking at the components of your business that seem to be making you money whether it's kinds of guests, specific guests, length of stays. There's all these variables that can be addressed. Revenue management is another great way to tighten those bolts in the form of a reset. Uh, If you're not using some kind of dynamic pricing tool, whether you have four properties or 400, that's an area where a lot of people are leaving money on the table. And it's also an area that most people haven't really experimented with fully just yet. I know in my case, I was almost turned off by the idea of manipulating prices of my rentals based on the demand, but it's one of those business things that if you're not doing, uh, your business kind of becomes less competitive in the profitable Mm -hmm. sense than the other folks down the street. We've got a couple other ones, but that was just a little taste of the, the reset theme in the currents report. What are you seeing? Oh, we had we had some you know, just just some crazy things happening last year because we had been complacent for a long, long time. You know, the, the patterns never changed. The patterns never changed. I've mentioned this on the on the show many, many times since last June when we were 
we were hit with just such a change in traveler behavior and booking behavior that our business was hugely impacted. Unfortunately, we were able to do a, using your word, reset, a quick reset and get some, uh, you know, put some things in place that we hadn't done before, some digital marketing activities. Uh, we, we hadn't been looking at our statistics. We hadn't been looking at where travelers come into the website and where they went and what keywords were working and what keywords won't, weren't. We were just scat- we had a scattergun approach in terms of, of our marketing. You know, oh, let's post this on Facebook. Let's post this on Twitter and on Instagram with no real structure behind it. And, and we were caught short in June when we didn't have the predicted number of bookings at the beginning of June. In fact, we were way, way off and found ourselves with 500 weeks remaining. At I remember when that happened and you, you, yeah. you announced it. I know, I know. And I'm still talking about it because it, it, was, it was major. But what it did was really kickstart our reset. And, and we actually have been doing this over the past five or six months and, and making some significant changes. And many of these things that you've been talking about, we are, we are now doing, you know, tightening the bolts, looking at revenue management, which we've never really had to do before. We're in a market that was always predictable. And I think this is it. Unpredictability has finally come to our neck of the woods and it hadn't been there before. So Yes, we're doing a lot of this. We're looking at our inventory. We're looking at the best performing properties, the poorest performing properties, the poorest performing owners, because it's often the owners that are delivering the issues, the the time that we're taking with them, taking us away from other income generating activities. We'd not looked at that before. I remember there was a day in my vacation rental business that uh, a mentor said to me, he said, you got to take this seriously. And it was so on point because I wasn't really taking it seriously. It's not to say that I wasn't serious about it, but I wasn't taking the future of the business seriously. And I realized that I needed to make some serious adjustments. And I think that's a wake up call that may prompt a lot of our listeners into action. Okay. I'm going to take this serious this coming year. And by the way, another completely okay option is to say, hell no, this is not what I signed up for. This is not what I enjoy doing. This is not generating the money that it used to. I'm out of here. And that was another mini current that I'm featuring in the report is folks who decide to either sell their business or close it up. And the good news for them is that there's more money floating around in our industry to acquire vacation rental businesses now than there's ever been before. And so it's not to say that you get nothing when you mm-hmm. choose to choose to end. Uh, if your business is clean, if you have a nice chart of accounts, if you've done all the things that um, people who buy businesses are looking for, you can actually be compensated very fairly. And I think a lot of people would argue that now is a really good time to sell your business. So there's no uh, embarrassment or disgrace, maybe some frustration, but it is, it is certainly a business thing that is accepted to do. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, we certainly looked at that as well. I mean, my business partner, who's very savvy, and he, he just said, you know, we're, we're getting to um, eat. He calls it the Eaton's moment. Eaton's was a department store, um, very similar to Sears, that was here in Canada for, you know, forever. And they clearly didn't see the changes that were coming. You know, it's, it's a bit of a, a blockbuster moment. Uh, a Toys R Us moment, you know, the time to pivot came, they didn't do it, they wanted to stay with their their old um, methods of working. So yeah, we, we looked at that, We and then we said, you know, we, we don't want to be an Eaton's, we don't want to be a Sears or a Kmart, but in order to, to change, in order to do something different, we've got to do something different. Quick shout out, the, the, the question that almost always comes after this discussion, and the, the cops are coming for me, so I may, oh, need I, can to, hear them. <laughs> I may need to bust out of this room in a second. Quick shout out. And they're gone. Quick shout out to the question that almost always comes is, okay, who, who, who helps people sell businesses? Two companies, two individuals that I always use, Jacoby um, and his father, Jim Olin from C2G Advisors. Um, we can provide his email address below as well as Ben Edwards uh, mm-hmm. of Weatherby Consulting. Those are just really stand-up guys who at the very least will tell you what they think your business is worth. And in more elaborate sense, they'll actually help you set up the right mechanisms to put yourself in a position to sell your business down the line uh, or to actually sell it, which is a very helpful thing, I think, in our space. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that. And we'll put the, uh, the links to those below. And I know Ben very well. Um, he has advised us, you know, our, our business in, in the past. This is a very good segue talking about this to that article that you posted on VRMB called um, Cottage Industry 3.0. And it, I, I was immediately drawn to it because, you know, I thought, oh, this is about my business. <laughs> you know, we rent cottages. And then, oh, no, you, you were talking about the old type of cottage industries, that that we all remember well. I mean, we could have actually called the little downtown stores the little cottage industry. Um, the people who make you know, the little old ladies who are making lace in Belgium, maybe cottage industries. Can you? Well, you you're essentially saying that for a small business to survive, there's some specific things that that they need to understand and do. And you mentioned three things: individuality, technology and fragmentation. Now, the article's on VRMB, so if anybody wants to go along and read it, they can. But I just wanted you to expand a little bit on those three key items there. Yeah, sure. And I'll give a little preface to this by reminding uh, those of us who did not pay any attention in history class, uh, including myself, uh, that the original cottage industries were indeed, before the Industrial Revolution, it was uh, specialists, Uh, craftsmen who were at home making things with their hands, locks, shoes, lace in, where was the lace? Belgium. Lace in Belgium. And they would sell these products to companies that could then distribute them widely. And when the Industrial Revolution came about, machines became way more efficient in achieving this goal. And the cottagers, those who worked out of their cottage, And by the way, many of whom did so on the side of their main job, whether they were a farmer or something else, the cottagers got crushed. And I was actually originally introduced to the the origin of cottage industry by Andrew McConnell on a podcast that I did with him. 
uh, in which he sort of hearkened back to those days in which the cottagers were, had a really important part in the economy. But when they got crushed, when factories became the quickest and most efficient way to produce things, we lost that sort of one-on-one -on -one human small batch uh, success. And so what I really liked about the original cottage industry um, can also be updated in the sense that today's owners and managers are doing just that. We're doing handcrafted businesses. We're taking care of every single guest. And in the best cases, we're providing them with experiences and memories and all these things. But we have a gigantic advantage that the original cottagers were without, and that is technology. So the combination of individuality, of being uniquely yourself, as opposed to commodity, which is to say can be cloned and scaled throughout the world, individuality and utilizing all the technology at our resource, at our disposal. Uh, in some cases, that's a digital welcome book, like Touch Day, for instance, allowing you to no longer rely on that little crumpled up and stained welcome book that sits on the counter, uh, but rather to provide your guests with a digital version that's easy to browse before they even arrive. Perfect example. Another example would be like a dynamic pricing tool that allow us to compete supply and demand wise with hotels. That's a tool that we almost couldn't do manually by ourselves. Another broader example is property management software. The uh, leaps and bounds that that industry has made in only the last few years in our industry, it empowers independent owner and managers to focus on the things that they should be focusing on and to eliminate or automate things that are time consuming or the things that are frustrating. Um, so embracing this technology in tandem with one's individuality makes for the cottage industry 3.0. Uh, but one of the things that's fueling it and one of the things that I think is very unique to our emerging industry is that fragmentation. And fragmentation is typically looked down upon as an idea, but it's almost always looked down upon by those who are looking to control it or those looking to acquire it or profit off of it. And if you really think about what is in the best interest of the collective as opposed to any one entity that holds all the power, it's actually a fragmented landscape in which everybody is doing their own thing uniquely, individually with their technology. Everybody more or less stands for the same kind of service standard, uh, but there is no one dominant player. And maybe there are a couple big players, uh, but if you want an environment in which all of the small guys have a say, that fragmentation is actually a strength. It's a good thing. Uh, I originally got this idea from a book that's called Anti-Fragile, which is a, a fantastic concept that argues that today's humans and today's systems have become incredibly fragile and prone to breaking. And in trying to think of a word that was completely opposite from fragile, he came up with robust, he came up with strong, but nothing was quite as good as anti-fragile. Systems and individuals that actually play to the benefit of the long-term well-being of the group. 
So that fragmentation, I think, is a good thing. It's the complete opposite from consolidation. But the saving grace here is that our industry, the, the majority of the stakeholders, the independent owners and managers, represent the most pres- precious resource. And those are the properties. This is very different from a traditional hotel landscape where a Hilton can just go buy, buy up um, all of the little inns and BNBs. Uh, we have a hugely fragmented owner base. And that's a bad thing when you talk about coordination and teamwork and communication and being on the same page with everybody. That's why we struggle with advocacy so much. That's why we struggle with safety. That's why we struggle with branding our industry. It's because there is huge fragmentation and we need to work on those things. But it's also not always a bad thing. There are some virtues about fragmentation that I think our independent owners and managers could embrace. So that, that's all great, but what do people have to do? Is there something practical out that they can take out of this? What should they be doing to ensure that their cottage industry 3.0 is going to be successful? First and foremost, you need to think about profit. And that's counter, not counterintuitive, but oftentimes an afterthought for people who get started because they absolutely love it or because they needed to do it uh, for whatever reason. So I think putting profit first is hugely important. It's one of these things that if you're doing it, your business is making money, you're way less susceptible to all these other influences. Uh, Whereas if you're not profiting, if the business on paper does not make money, you become vulnerable to to the factory of today, which is, you know, Vacasa, which is uh, Airbnb in a strange sense, uh, or just the, the slightly more Uh, advanced thinking manager down the street. You can't really compete with them. So I think that's one big part. The other thing that you can do today is get back to the basics, the original stuff that really makes a difference with guests. In a lot of cases, it's not (laughs) efficient in any way. It doesn't um, make sense in a lot of ways. Things like handwritten notes uh, as a thank you note for, for a stay you're not going to immediately see a gigantic return on your handwritten notes, but all of these little things when they add up are the things that can't really be done by the larger mega managers. And I think a reminder that getting back to those basics and taking care of each guest with white gloves, you have to believe, you have to believe that that is the future. That is what the essence of hospitality is really about. And conversely, if you're not putting those things first, you become one of the cottagers that, um, that, that get, becomes obsolete. It's, it's interesting you say that. Just, um, just before talking to you, I was talking to a, uh, a couple, Sophie and Richard Smith, of Beside the Sea Properties, in, Beside the Sea Holidays.com in Cambersand, UK. And I first heard of, of them in the presentation that um, Andy McNulty did with Tyanne Marsink and myself when we were talking about love languages. And in that presentation, Andy was doing a session on um, the the guest journey and how important it is and how the OTAs can't do this. And that is 
to feed specific information about the property and about the area, all that localized knowledge to guests on the drip before their vacation, building up their anticipation of it. And then while they're on vacation, Ben and Sophie get in touch with them. They go visit them and say hello and add additional information. And then they follow up afterwards. And consequently, they have a massive repeat business. And they're about at 60, 70% direct. Although they do say that Airbnb is a great option for them. It brings their guests in. They immediately convert them by going to visit them and letting them know what they could have saved. So they are a, a, just a great example of that. I couldn't agree more. In a, an easy way to do that is to ask yourself, what is something that none of my competitors will do? Mm-hmm. What is something that they'll all think is completely crazy and unjustifiable? What is something that none of them will do? I'm going to do that. I got that idea from a recent podcast we did, Jesse and Emily Cole, who own a baseball team randomly. And it's called the Savannah Bananas. And if you Google it, it's the most hilarious baseball team you've ever heard of. Everything about the experience at that stadium is remarkable. But they also own an Airbnb. And what they said is, we like to look at our investments through the question, how do we, how do we, elicit, how do we elicit the phrase, you're never going to believe this, but... <laughs> And they use that little prompt as a way to decide what they're going to do to their guest experience. So one example that Jesse gave, I said, so what would be an instance? He says, I don't know, like when the guest checks in, you have a full blown mariachi band playing for them inside the home. And I said, I certainly would have never believed that. (laughs) I said, yes, this is an easy way. Identify what other people will do or will not do and go completely the opposite direction. Uh, I apply that logic here and asking ourselves, what will our guests, our competitors, what are they not able or willing to do? And we do that. That's a simple way. Oh, I love that. I love that. It's got me thinking already. What can we do? It's, it's just, I, and I know the question that comes back is, well, how, that's all, the, all well and good, but how do you do that? How do you scale that? How do you scale well, that the, when you've got 150 properties? That's the million dollar question. I don't have the answer to it, unfortunately. Um, it's, it was the question that started my limited edition theory uh, of, okay, if we can do this one time, how can we do it many times? And sadly, the answer might be that you can't, but optimistically, the fact that it can't scale, let's say that you can only do it for up to 150 properties. That means that no one greater than 150 properties is going to enter your space. Mm-hmm. So I think that how do we get something to scale is a good question to, to ask at the beginning, but then also recognizing that there are some things that certainly don't scale and we're going to double down on those things. That's kind of the synthesis of, of this cottage industry 3.0. See, ben and, ben and Sophie have capped their properties at 45 because it is just them. They are the management team. They are the administrative team, the sales and marketing team, and they fortunately they don't have to go out and clean, <laughs> but they um, they have decided that that's where they want to be, so that they can maintain that differentiation, so that they can still offer that uniqueness. I think that's huge, and and no matter what size you are, defining how many properties you would like to offer, maybe it's one. Mm-hmm. Defining what you are willing to do, what are the things that you are going to bake into your business that is remarkable, 
and then coming up with a goal and saying, okay, we're going to aim to reach this goal and that's going to be our sweet spot. I think that's really helpful. Whereas a lot of business schools teach you to grow, 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 scale, scale, scale. Uh, This might be one of those unique cases, our industry, where actually that's not the point. The point is Mm -hmm. to define a goal for it to include a lifestyle that you enjoy and for it to be something sustainable that lasts. That kind of business strategy is not so common these days, but I actually, uh, it speaks, it speaks to me. Yeah. So you'll be able to hear Ben and Sophie in a couple of weeks time when their interview is, is broadcast. So, so listen out for that one. It's, it's good. Lots of really good information for anybody who's thinking about getting into the property management business. Something that is important to anybody getting into the business is regulations, legislation, advocacy, all that sort of good stuff that we need to know about. So good segue into talking about what happened during the VRMA conference when you collected a number of people together, got them into a room and got them brainstorming. Can you tell us what that was about and what came out as a result of it? Yeah. And thanks for the chance to mention this. This is something I think very close to my heart, but also so easy to look over and the effects of overlooking it could really harm every single business. Regulation, when done poorly, threatens every single vacation rental business. And if it hasn't before touched your destination, it will this year. If there is no advocacy, if there is no attempt to communicate what vacation rentals in your region mean, what it looks like when it's done properly, if you don't have a seat at that table of defining what are the right rules for this weird new industry, the baby gets thrown out with the bathwater, the bad apples ruin the bunch. Any hope that your region had for a sustainable vacation rental economy can be pulled out right from underneath you, which is why learning from one another on what are the best advocacy strategies, learning from the best advocacy experts in the world could be tremendously helpful. However, we haven't really had up until now a place where we could do just that. And admittedly, I have never really sunk my teeth into the advocacy field in the traditional sense. I see myself as an advocate with uh, the various other projects that we do, but not from a legislative and logistical standpoint on regulation. Uh, I kind of came to grips with it in 2019 that this is something we got to deal with sooner rather than later. It could put us all at risk. Uh, And so I I hearken back to this idea that Eric Bay, who is the president of the New Orleans Short-Term Rental Alliance, uh, told me in an interview we did in a podcast. We have some good links, by the way, to share with people from this podcast, don't we? Absolutely. Absolutely. Just head down to the show notes and you're going to get all the links. Um, Eric said to me, I said, how did this whole thing get started? I mean, Eric's literally suing the city and he's got an entire community of passionate uh, owners and managers behind him. He said it started on a couch and it took me a moment to realize that what he's actually saying is any movement like this really does start in your own living room. In Eric's case, it was a small handful of vacation rental owners who were concerned and wanted to do something, stand up for themselves. But I took that idea. Let's just get everyone on a couch 
And I put together a little event, which was like you said, uh, just around VRMA in New Orleans. I happened to live here, so I had plenty of time to find a beautiful setting. And my goal was basically to put 20 of the most effective advocacy leaders in one room. Those individuals ranged from academics studying short-term rentals to lobbyists to owners and managers who have achieved a great deal in their respective destinations to the service providers that empower us. And with the help of a couple of these members, I was able to really identify 20 folks who who would be ideal to have in one room who represented enough diversity that we could get an idea. And thanks to all those individuals who frankly intimidated the hell out of me, the titles of these individuals and what they have achieved. Uh, Thankfully, they all agreed to come to this venue and to share what they have done that made them so successful in their advocacy pursuits. I had my video crew there to record all of the plays. And then we took all of those brief video plays. Each of them is between 10 and 60 seconds. We hosted those videos in the form of a playbook, which is now freely accessible to any owner and manager who'd like to use it throughout the world. The URL is vacationrentaladvocacy.com. Very original. And the user interface of this playbook is made seamless with Touchday's great assistance. Andy uh, of Touchday, which is a guest welcome book, basically offered up the service. And if you head over to it, you'll see what I mean. It's so easy to browse. It's so easy to access from anywhere, whether you have access to internet or not. And that is the result of this first event, which I think is a really good version 1.0 of what this library, this playbook can look like. I'd like to be continue accumulating more plays that have happened to have worked in any given destination. I'll be attending some events this year um, where we can record more of those and to make this library even more robust so that everybody has at least access to a best practice mm-hmm. in, in, in their area. And my hope is that that's the first attempt to make a little dent in this huge obstacle, this huge rock uh, that is poor regulation. Yes, I went through the playbook and and it's very nicely laid out in different sections, making use of data, how we present ourselves, follow the money, a seat at the table. I went down to a seat at the table and I thought, I'll check this out. And what it is, as you say, it's the little vignettes, the, the, the actual video of this brainstorming and talking about this subject taking place. So there's no analysis. It's just simply... This is what happened in that room. It's like being in that room. Yeah. Just One watching perfect those. Example. Derek Eaton from mm-hmm. Seattle Oasis. Here's a play. He said, we could not have succeeded historically in Seattle without bright green t-shirts. He said, go buy bright t-shirts that reflect some color in your area, write short-term rental supporters or whatever on it, hand them out to your supporters and have everybody wear them when they come to town hall. He said mm-hmm. that was a game changer. And that play takes 30 seconds for him to explain. But like you said, it's unadulterated. It's quite simply the individual who achieved a great success explaining how they did it. Yeah, and some great people there. And I, I'll, all the links are going to be here on the, on the show notes. Please go. I'm going to use, be using this 
within our property manager association that we have because we've been talking about this for a long time. You know, how do we do it? How do we get a seat at the table? Well, there's there's ideas. It's I read, I, I listened to those and watched those videos and got some very concrete ideas on how we could actually make this happen. So, you know, you are this catalyst for getting things done mm. and, you know, bringing people together and using collaboration as a tool. And I, you know, really applaud you for that. I, I don't think there's anyone better that, than, than you to, to be a magnet, to bring people together and talk about the issues that, that impact us all. So thank you. Well, thank you. you. You do the same thing. And I would also add that it, that kind of thing really does depend on these individuals who are willing to take time out of their, out of their day. In some cases, they weren't even attending VRMA. They just flew in to attend <laughs> this meeting. Uh, it doesn't happen without those types of leaders stepping up and explaining to others how they did it. And it doesn't happen because these kinds of things cost money without supporters. And this particular event, I'll give a quick shout out uh, to four companies that really stepped up on this regard. Expedia Group, uh, NoiseAware, Avalara, which is a, a lodging tax company, and AirDNA. Four companies that when I sent them an email and said, are you willing to support this? They said, absolutely. That to me is mm -hmm. um, most appreciated. And links to all of those will be on the show notes as well. So yeah. Covering everything. Hey, we're coming up to the end of our time, as ever. Just, uh -huh. just information packed. Was this one better than the last one? <laughs> Am I going to... Oh, I don't know where I was on the last one. And I will admit that this is the second time that Matt and I have recorded this podcast. Because I went back and listened to the one we did before. And I, I, I was off on something. I don't know what. I, I agree with you. This one was better for sure. <laughs> it was a lot better. I don't know whether it was just after Christmas or, or whatever, but uh, I, I had first time ever in 320 episodes that I've had to go back to somebody and say, I really screwed up on this one and I'd like to have a do-over. And Matt very graciously gave up another hour of his time to, to come along and do that. So thank you so much. I don't know where I was that day, but uh, it wasn't really with you, I don't think. I wasn't, honestly, on no substances whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> and I learned that you don't drink alcohol. That was, uh, that was a first for me. I didn't know that. I told you that before. Well, yes, but you always have these moments in which we have laughing fits. So I figured <laughs> and you, you And you think I'm drunk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was my pleasure, Heather. I, if there's anybody who asked me to do a repeat podcast because the first one didn't represent their best self, you are the one. Well, thank you for that. And thank you, definitely thank you for today. I think altogether this was an excellent discussion, excellent episode, and I really, really appreciate. Oh, yeah, before we go, what's happening with, um, with the Vacation Rental Show? Let's not go without talking about what's happening in 2020 with you on screen? Well, I have like, there's, a, there's three things that are brewing, right? I've got the Vacation Rental Show, which is a forward-facing travel show that meets destinations through vacation rental properties and their amazing hosts. Um, that is moving onwards to the next season. Very excited about that. We've already begun some shooting. But we also have a companion series to the Vacation Rental Show, which is called The Professionals. This is a manager-facing show 
which will aim to show off the magic of our business. Who are these people that fell into it? What is it that they do that makes them so unique? How hard do they really work? What is the lifestyle that a vacation rental uh, business can offer? That I'm so excited about that because it really allows myself and my team to jump deep into the nuances of our, of our space, which gets us all very excited. And then I have one third thing, and none of this is really official just yet, but I'll just plant the seed. A vacation rental movie. Whoa. <laughs> I'll just leave it but at that. Just a vacation rental. Oh, now you've got us thinking. <laughs> a vacation rental movie that we're all really proud of and that is hilarious and sad and terrifying and provides plenty of hope for the future. Well, that sounds exciting. And oh, is there any adventure in it? Certainly. Good. Yeah. That's I, all I, I can share at this I, Well, I won't take you any Otherwise, I'll get in trouble from people. <laughs> like, stop <laughs> talking about this stuff. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's tantalizing. Thank you so much. And thank you for being with me as ever. I look forward to seeing you in Barcelona in a few months. Absolutely. As ever, thank you so much, Matt Landau, for being with us. You always deliver and deliver in style. So thank you once again for joining me, for sharing your insights. And they're always amazing insights, I have to say. So if you want to know anything more about what's being, what was talked about in that session, please go to the show notes and I've, I've put a few links in there. I couldn't get Matt to say anything more about his vacation rental movie. So uh, how about you go to the show notes and let us have some suggestions on what you think it might, might be about. Of course, we'd love to hear from you. Of course, if you've got any questions for Matt about any of these things, about Cottage 3.0 or the advocacy brainstorming session or his plans for 2020, just drop them in the show notes. I'll, uh, I'll make sure that he comes along and answers those. So this has been a fairly long episode, so I'm going to wrap it up right here and now. And I'm going to go pack. I'm going to go get myself ready to go to Texas. As I've said before, it's, it would be great if you haven't yet to go to iTunes and uh, give me a great review on the podcast. It, uh, it helps to get the message out to other people and also raises the rankings of the podcast so more people can see it. And the more we can share this great information throughout the short-term rental community, the better it is for everybody. You know, it's all about networking. It's about collaboration. It's about sharing what we have with those who need to know it and who want to know it and who are out there looking for that information. So thank you for doing that. If you have been and uh, given me a rating, hopefully it was five star because we all love five star reviews, then uh, certainly thank you for that. I really, really appreciate it. So that's it. That's all for now. It's been a pleasure as ever being with you. If there's anything you'd like to comment on, then join the conversation on the show notes for the episode at vacationrentalformula.com. We'd love to hear from you. And I look forward to being with you again next week.